Hey everyone, my name is Adam Durkin and I'm the discipleship pastor. I'm Bo Douglas and I am the children's pastor at South Beach Church. I'm Isai and I'm the production pastor. My name's Rory Van Wyke, I'm the youth pastor. Yeah, I'm Marty Atkins, I'm one of the pastors here at South Beach Church. My name's Ryan Rocha, I'm the worship pastor here at South Beach Church. I think one of the greatest joys for me in, in raising kids, I've got three kids, Noah who's 12 and Nemo who's 10 and Acacia who's nine is uh, seeing their uniquenesses, their differences, and really celebrating their uh, individuality because they're not the same. And what that does for me is it shows me God's creativity and his okayness with our differences. I have two girls, Hazel and Violet. They're really smart and uh, just watching them grow as just little human beings is just the most amazing thing. To me, it's even a privilege to even be a dad and to be their dad um, and so, it's just so much fun to, to get to live life with them and be their daddy. I have two kids, Ellie and Jude. Yeah, I think, I mean, being a dad is amazing. It's challenging at times. I remember, yeah, when my daughter was born, it was the best day of our lives. And I have three kids, Lily, who is 10, Adonai, who is seven, and Malachi, who is one, about to be two years old. Being a father is, has blessed me so much. It's, it's grown me, for sure. I have three kids. Uh, my daughter's the oldest. Uh, she's 35. My son's 33. My youngest is 30. But it's interesting that a couple of months ago, I pulled out all the VHS tapes. I realized that when I was watching those how much fun that I had as a dad. Things like uh, them uh, taking, their, taking the training wheels off their bikes and, and seeing them ride for the first time. Watching my daughter loosen up her tooth to push it out. It's her first tooth coming out. She's working it you know, on the camera. <laughs> I have two boys. Uh, Jordan is 10 and Creed is 3. I think the times that I get the greatest joy in fatherhood is when I see them tackle a challenge without my input. Then I really know that they're learning. Me and my dad didn't always have a good relationship and it was actually really difficult at times. But one of the things when I was 18 years old, me and my dad kind of had a, an argument that turned into one of the best things that ever happened to us. My dad asked me, um, what do you not like about me? And it brought up a lot of things from my past and what he did was directly from James uh, 4.10. He humbled himself before the Lord and he basically just said um, not just what I needed to hear but he confessed those things. From that moment we grew as father and son and we basically we became best friends. Uh, some of the greatest challenges that I've had to um, overcome in raising kids is not knowing exactly if I'm doing enough. One of my job descriptions is, is to lead people, to help people, to disciple people. And yet I've got three kids underneath my house that they need my leadership and discipling more than anybody else. They deserve it. I mean, as most of you know, it's challenging uh, seeing yourself and your kids at times and um, rewarding when, you know, they <laughs> are loving on each other and uh, their friends and, and you can see Jesus working in their lives. I think especially when I found out I was having a son, my second born, not having a really strong relationship with my dad, uh, I think I was really uh, terrified. Honestly about, yeah. <laughs> how to raise a son and just want to be a dad that's there for them and to be able to help them navigate through life. That, that constant relationship with your kids is so important. Eye contact, you know, listening 
and uh, and just apologizing and forgiving, and and you know knowing that you're gonna blow it, but but to grow and and you know let them know that hey you know everyone's gonna fail you but God, but but to apologize and, and forgive, continue to grow and don't and don't give up. You know one of the things that I want for my kids is I don't want them to worry about anything. I don't want them to struggle. I don't want them to worry because I'm their dad and I tell them look. I'm your dad, I'm gonna take care of everything. And, and, and even though that's limited because I, I am just a man, that same promise is from our Heavenly Father to, to us. He says, look, I got you, no matter what, the promises of God. And so I want my kids to live in that peace and in that, that freedom. And how much more so does our Heavenly Father want us to live in that peace and in that freedom? My relationship with my girls has opened my eyes to how much the Father really loves me. You know, even though I make a lot of mistakes and um, I'm really hard on myself, a lot of the time, uh, God doesn't see it that way. Just like I don't see that it that way with my girls. Uh, some advice I'd give to some of the younger dads even, um, or just dads in general, is just to be present. And also just to say you, you, that you love them um, as much as you can. Whenever I leave the house, I say I love you, just so they know. Um, it, it, it leaves an empty void when you don't hear that from your own parents. So, And one of the things that as a, when I was a youth pastor and now working with young adults, I'm trying to teach them is that parents can teach their kids so many different things. But one of the things they can't teach them is how to be intimate with the Lord. My dad always said that I trust the Lord to pursue my kids. I trust the Lord to be intimate with my kids. And that's something that I can't teach them, but it's something that I can show them. And so for that, I am truly thankful. I sort of have this in my mind, this distinction between happiness and joy. Happiness tends to be, uh, you know, based on our circumstances, the joy goes really deeper in my heart. That's kind of how I view it, the things that stick. Truly, the greatest joy that I have, that I think I could ever have, is knowing that as my kids, as adults, they love Jesus. Um, that brings joy. Well, everyone, welcome to our at-home church online service for Father's Day. As you guys can see, I got my dad here, Joe Frechette. Hello. And I uh, just want to encourage you guys as we're gathering together one more time to worship the Lord. This is quarantine, coronavirus, shelter in place, church at home, week 15. And it is amazing how long this is going. And we actually, I was just talking to my dad a minute ago, we're getting good at what we do with audio and video. And, and I said, though, I don't know how good we should get because I don't know how long it's gonna be. And I really don't want it to keep going, but we have no idea. And my dad's response was, was clutch. He said, you know what? I think the Lord, I think he kind of likes that. He likes to keep us guessing. He likes to uh, keep us listening. Because as you might have learned in your own life, when you stop guessing and stop listening, you stop drawing near to the Lord. And what God is doing right now during Corona, whether or not you found this out, and I really, I really hope you have, whether or not you found this out, God is giving us an opportunity, or as Luke said in, in chapter 21 of his book, an occasion for testimony to the outside world with how you as a believer and how we as Christians are responding to this. If you haven't noticed, people all over the world are responding a lot of different ways to a lot of different things. And it's almost what causes us to watch the news or to get on social media just to see what's going on. And as believers, you and I have an obligation, an opportunity, an occasion to let God use us week in and week out, whether it's quarantine or not, whether it's Father's Day or not, whatever it's raining or sunny or not, 
and to let God use our lives. This changes everything for me because as you guys um, know, I'm a pastor and so I show up and I do things and I, I marry people and I bury people and I carry people and all these things. But in the in-between is when I think the Lord says, Luke, I want you to, to be a witness of me in the world, of my reality in your life the way you love your wife, the way you raise your kids, the way you uh, do what you do. And so I just want to encourage everybody. Right now, God is doing a deeper work in you. The Bible actually says in Ephesians chapter four that God has given five offices of leadership. You can read that. There's apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and, and pastors. And there's only five. Not a lot of people make that five-fold list. But the Bible says those five offices are for the equipping of the body for the work of the ministry. I was talking to Stanley, Stanley the Cookie Man. How you doing, Stan? He came by my house today. We were, we were talking about the church. And Stanley said, I wanna pray for the church, Luke. What do you think the number one need for the church is? And I said to him, I said, I think the number one need for the church is that we all realize that our body part matters. And I used a simple illustration. I said, this is my pinky. I don't talk about my pinky very often. I got some other paint on my fingers. We're painting. And I don't talk about these, these parts very often, but I don't want to also do without them. I need them. And you as a believer, all of us right now, there's, there's, you're important. And God has given you an opportunity to grow. And he wants you to, to, to mature and, and your character to develop. Romans chapter five says that difficulty which we're all going through difficult times, various levels. Difficulty produces in us perseverance and perseverance produces in us character. Wouldn't this be radical? If right now, maybe you've already settled into this reality, but maybe right now, even on week 15, you say, maybe it's not about a virus or maybe it's not about things closing down or it's not about face masks. Where's your mask, by the way? It's on. <laughs> yeah, it's on. I grew mine in, it's not all over. Anyway, maybe it's not about these things. Maybe... The Lord is doing a deeper work on the body for the work of the ministry. And that's my encouragement to you guys. Man, settle in. There's so many ways you can stay connected during this time. I wish I could just see you, but I can't see you. You can see me, but we'll, we'll see each other soon enough. When? I don't know. When? When God sees it fit. But until then, he's working on you. So stay connected. Don't forget, you guys, we're doing all kinds of things here at South Beach Church. You can check out our uh, website, southbeachchurch.org. There's all kinds of resources there, and there's uh, life group questions that get put out on Sunday for these teachings that happen on Sundays. You can take your family through them and go deeper. There's life groups that happen, like I said, and then there's a youth group that meets on Zoom, and they're having, they're having events as well. Pastor Rory, contact him, and Pastor Adam Durkin oversees our young adult group, and the Celebrate Recovery on Tuesdays, and Wednesday at 10, the gals are zooming, women's Bible study, and, and there's so many ways and opportunities for you to connect. You can get on our newsletter and receive from Pastor Marty Atkins the update every single week. And then one of the things we're so excited about, we launched this in January before we knew that the church would be tested in this way. And we challenged our church that, hey guys, let's read through the New Testament in 2020. We didn't realize that 2020 was going to be the gnarliest year in the world. And so I'm so thankful that we've done this. And so if you haven't downloaded or even started, or maybe you fell off the wagon, just get back on the wagon. Right now, it's, uh, we're in Colossians chapter 2. Today's June 21st. It's Sunday, Father's Day. And I just want to encourage you guys, keep reading the Bible. Just get into the book. We just finished Philippians. It's so fun getting up every morning and my kids are going through Philippians and Nemo is telling me, Dad, there's only four chapters in Philippians and then we're going to be in Colossians. Just give me the breakdown, all these books. And man, Colossians chapter two though, it's where you should be and maybe you're going to read it later today. It's simply all about Jesus. And Paul's 
freaking out. He's like, guys, it's all about Jesus. The handwriting of requirements that's against you, the, the things you've done wrong, Jesus took care of them. It's all about Jesus. All these things are leading to Jesus. And so I want to exhort you guys and gals and everybody, it doesn't really matter what's going on in our culture that has disrupted things. Okay, the fact that things have been disrupted, there are real issues, but that disruption, that shaking, that waking is in order that the Lord would make himself more readily available to you. And so my challenge, especially with times such as these, draw near to the Lord and the Bible says he'll draw near to you. So before we get into worship and before we get into the teaching then, I invited my dad, Joe Frechette here, the legend himself to be with us and to uh, just kind of talk a little bit about uh, his journey and uh, being a dad and being my dad and me being his son and, and my kids, which are his grandkids are in the other room here. And it's just such a, a privilege uh, to be here with my dad. And, and before uh, we began filming, we were just talking about uh, kind of personalities. Everyone has a different personality. And, and one of the things I appreciate about my dad is that he's always, uh, if you know Joe Frechette, he's always um, learning. And he's always uh, moving and he's always doing. And we were talking about that personality and how not everyone is, is like that. And usually God gives to men like this or men like me a, a good wife to balance us out and kind of keep us on. And uh, my mom's sitting right over there and my wife's right here. And so thankful for the, the gals that God's given to us as well. And um, I just am so proud of my dad for the way he's never stopped uh, growing, never stopped learning. I think there's just a, a temptation to like, I don't know, stop learning and stop, because uh, when, you, when you learn, what you're, what you're admitting is, is that you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think uh, a lot of men, you know, we're know-it-alls, you know, I, I know everything. And, and I just, I've sensed that humility in you and, and uh, that desire to just keep going, even in your, your struggles or your mistakes, which, which aren't very many, but I'm sure you have a few. Um, so I just appreciate that about you, you know, and thank you for teaching me that. One of my desires is to teach Noah and Nemo and Acacia. Guys, you just can't, you can't ever quit. You just got to keep going. You know, you fall off your bike, man, what are you going to do? Sell it? You know, you got to get back on the bike. And so my dad taught me so many lessons about um, just uh, figuring it out and, and not just moving on without taking that character, that lesson with you. And I think as, as fathers, it's Father's Day. Um, and I just want to exhort the dads um, to continue to, to model and teach these principles to your kids. And the, the world around us, the, the erosion within the family unit and the erosion within the moral fabric of our, of our culture, I mean, it's just getting crazier and crazier. But, but what we have is we have fathers that, that can lead, that can toe the line and, and sense God's heart and know God's will and then model it and teach it to, to other people around, especially your kids, grandkids, and appreciate you guys just loving on my kids, your grandkids, and uh, being willing to, to pray for them and love them and care for them and, and show them what it looks like to be a, you know, um, a grandma and grandpa that, that love the Lord. So how you doing, man? Yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah excited about the next adventure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's afternoon. I'm going to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you look at life that way, um, and it really is an adventure, and, and uh, not everyone has that. My dad was talking about the Frechettes, and there's a couple of Frechettes out there probably watching them back in Minnesota. And, and uh, just the Frechettes have, you know, this kind of deep-seated, maybe it's a, 
you know, thirst for joy, you know, and I just want to find, hey, let's, let's have fun, you know, if we're gonna, gonna do something, let's have fun. And uh, see that, you know, expressed in Kokomoka Joe's when you open the business and just let's make it fun. Let's paint some stuff and let's, let's make it fun. Let's, let's make food fun and food is fun, by the way. But uh, I appreciate that about you too, you know, just uh, that joy that you bring. And, and uh, what would you say uh, you have, you know, on your journey, um, I know you're, you're in your 50s now, not sure. Early 50s. Early 50s. Approaching. He's old. Yes. Yes. Second 50s. And, uh, you know, how's, how's it been for you and your journey as, as a man, becoming a father and becoming a grandfather now? And just uh, um, just all the things you've gone through and seeing those different phases. Like, yeah. what's, what's it been like? And what are you learning right now? It's a whirlwind adventure, you know. And that's what my life is always. Uh, unfortunately, my wife has, gets to, and fortunately, she gets to come along with me. But everything to me is always an adventure. If God gives a, a, a nod to do something different, I, I just put, I think this is awesome, you yeah. know. And I'll go for it 100 miles an hour until it's over. I'm still that way. I just yeah. love uh, waking up in the morning with uh, crazy wild ideas, you know, <laughs> and going for it. And uh, I've missed the boat on a lot of them. I got off the track a lot of times. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, you know, uh, my wife's been sticking with me the whole time, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, but it's, uh, so fun to get back on track. Mm-hmm. God, what do you, th- and I ask him, we'd ask him a lot more questions now, you know, Hey, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Should we do this? What, I, you know, what are you up to in our lives today? We just, uh, casually talk to him every morning, whatever he wants, yeah. you know, we listen and then we just go for it. And, uh, so, uh, but you, yeah. you've taken, you've taken it to the next level of fun, you know, and I just love watching your videos. I love your teaching mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you've been a real blessing to, uh, your mom and I for mm-hmm. sure. And so we appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you. Dad. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I just want to, you know, it's crazy cause you get this, uh, as a kid, you just want your dad to be happy. You want, you want to please your dad, you know? And I just think that that's part of the design of God in heaven. I think he made it that way for our, in order that we live a, a good life, he, we should want to please our heavenly father. And so we see that relationship as, as broken as it can be on planet earth. You know, you just, there's this desire to make dad happy. And when dad's not happy, it's like, okay, let's, let's make dad happy, you know? And so to, uh, to then be in that position both with my kids, seeing their uh, struggle would be a strong word, but their desire, you know, to, to please me, you know, serve me, just like warms my heart. And, and it makes me want to then be that same way to my heavenly father, the same way I wanted, have always wanted to please you and, you know, just make you proud. And, and it's just such a gift to be here. And in August, it'll be 10 years uh, being here at South Beach Church. And just the way that God has healed our relationship in allowing me to come back to Newport in order that we could both walk in that, mm-hmm. like walk in that father-son mm-hmm. um, kind of mutual love and respect and appreciation for each other. And uh, it isn't easy and there is, you know, things that we're still learning, but God has been so good mm-hmm. to uh, just uh, to let us walk that path. And I think if I was going to encourage anybody, you know, with a uh, father-child relationship is to definitely instill in your kids values and purpose and strength and direction as a model figure, but to also let them know you just love them, you know, and you like them, you're proud of them. And because uh, kids were broken and we live in this, you know, even with our father, our heavenly father, you know, is he mad at me? They, oh, dude, oh, you know, we, we wonder. And our heavenly father loves us. He's like, dude, I love you. I love you in your, in your worst state. And so for dads and, and fathers in general, you know, to, really um, 
cultivate and, and redeem and, and forge that reality that you're proud of your kids, right. that you love them. Because unfortunately, you can tell your kids and, and you can even show them, mm-hmm. but the message, it doesn't, it just, it, it doesn't go, it doesn't penetrate all the time. It just needs to continue to be there. And so I just would um, say not only tell your kids you're proud of them, you love them, you know, but help them define their identity in Christ. And one of the things that you and mom did so, um, so well for me, and it was God's grace, you know, is just modeling for me a, a family that wanted to serve God. You know, and you guys didn't know what you were doing. No, we didn't. You, didn't, you had no idea. And we, and we no, laugh we at it now yeah. and all this stuff, you know, and, and, but you loved God. Yeah. And, you, and you wanted to love him better. Yeah. And you were willing to take risks. Yeah. The things you guys did uh, when I was a kid, when you started getting, you know, on fire for God, let's just call it that, moving to Minnesota and you said, well, you know, homeschooling, people are doing this and apparently it's working for some kids. So we're gonna, we're gonna be radical. We're gonna be the only family in Minnesota that's ever homeschooled their kids. You know, they thought we were from communist Russia or something, and, and you did it. Yeah. And it was so crazy, and it was so, it was, and so wild, but you took, that, uh, you took the, the courage mm-hmm. to do what you felt was right, and I think it was, it was right. Oh, yeah. You did the for right sure. thing. Yeah. And I would just say for dads, you know, it's Father's Day, moms too, but, but for dads, moms too, is you gotta navigate and find out what's right. And it's, in today's culture, it's probably not gonna be popular. It's just not. But you gotta protect your kids. And you gotta promote for your kids that pathway of success. Whether they like it or not, whether they understand it, whether you sacrifice in the immediate some things, some comforts or some normalcy. I always thought we were a weird family on the block. We I'm pretty sure we were. But, but, we, but we were, I'm so thankful. And, um, and uh, to, to be able to be courageous, especially against the tide of chaos. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you've shown me that and, and, and that it bore fruit mm-hmm. for me and, and for Aaron, my sister uh, up in Beaverton, just having that deep-seated mm-hmm. faith and appreciation mm-hmm. for God and for his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, John said in his third epistle, I believe there's no greater joy that he has than his kids are walking in the faith. Mm-hmm. Just there's nothing greater, yeah. nothing greater, and um, and you guys did that, and, and then you modeled it. And it was a tough beginning for us because we didn't know what we were doing, especially homeschool. You know, I just remember sitting around our table, and we were told to have a worship or have a a, a study. You know, uh, every every morning and read the word, and you know, and you'd come out and have your head on the table. Luke, read. Come on, <laughs> wake up. You know, and, and you would not read the word. You know, and it was so fun. You know, and Aaron or you know, she would read. She was like firstborn, you know. Yeah. She was like, you know, and she'd just go right through it, you know. But it was just crazy. I thought, so many times, I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm quitting, you know. It's like, I don't know where we're going. Don't know how to get there. And I don't even know anything about this. But we stuck it out, you yeah. know. And, uh, <clears throat> and it uh, paid off for yeah. sure. And I appreciate your candidness in that. And I sensed a little bit in Minnesota, the, you know, that you didn't know what was going on. A little bit. Yeah. But as a kid, you know, you, the kid for sure doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so you just follow mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And you guys, were, you guys were taking cues from the leaders in, in, in those days, you know, that had the systems and, and you were doing your best. And, um, and I just, but it was still a risk and it took initiative and, and it took structure outside of you and mom's, um, you know, skill set and ability, mm-hmm. but it was the right thing to do. And again, I just want to encourage moms and dads 
who, who you say, well, I don't have the skill set. I don't have the ability. Now we're too far gone. My kids, they're, 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 they're already rebelling. They're already acting up. My kids, are, they've already gotten a, a worldly philosophy. My, my kids are already moved out of the house. They're, they're, they're living with their girlfriend or their boyfriend or they're, they're doing drugs or my kids are, it's too far gone. Whatever your excuse is, fight. Fight for your family. Oh, I don't have all the answers and I don't know if it's gonna work. And, 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 and I myself, you know, am not perfect. And how, how much the enemy comes and pulls away our strength and our courage and our drive because of our own hypocrisy and our own sinfulness. And you got to reject that and say, no, it's not about me. It's about, it's about what God has given to us in his book and in his standards. And, and now more than ever before, even if it doesn't work, even if your kids, you know, mm-hmm. don't listen. You have, moms and dads, Father's Day, you have the, the biggest influence on the outcome, the overall outcome of your kids mm-hmm. and you and mom poured into me and uh i it didn't it didn't stick necessarily right away in, in, a, in an applicational way i went kind of yeah. cuckoo for cocoa puffs and, <laughs> <laughs> yep. and, and, and yet the whole time though it was the lord's long long way around the journey to the destination mm-hmm. and and so no matter where you're at mm-hmm. dad yeah. no matter what mm-hmm. no matter uh, your kid's not talking to you or or you've blown it or maybe you're in a blended family and these kids don't respect you or just keep doing the right thing. Right. Don't, don't become passive. Mm-hmm. There's a temptation within men especially to become passive. I'm just not going to do anything. Well, you know, whatever. I'm just gonna, whatever. Don't do that. Reject passivity. And, and, and as a man, as a father, accept responsibility. That role of fatherhood. Okay? Like it or, or not. God's made you a man. You're a father. You're a leader. Reject passivity. Accept responsibility. And then lead courageously. Right. Just do it. Do the right thing. Do the right thing, and here's the deal. Expect it to work. Because it's not you. It's God's principles. It's God's principles. And when you do what God has asked you to do, he's going he's gonna to work it out in the right time. And, and uh, man, I hate to say it in a prideful way, but I'm living proof. You know. Um, and I, I said this, I think, when, when mom was at the house on Mother's Day, is that you guys prayed for me. And you prayed uh, that, that, I, that I would make it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think of the prodigal dad when he gave the son his inheritance and he knew it was a bad decision, mm-hmm. but the, the dad trusted the gospel more than he did his son's bad decision. And he said, I'll, you know, in essence, he said, I'll see you when you get back, mm-hmm. you know, with a lump in his throat, I'll see you when you get back. Mm-hmm. And mom's dads, um, trust the gospel. Mm-hmm. Trust your kids to the gospel. Mm-hmm. You can't bubble wrap your kids. You can't protect them from this world. This world's a nar-nar but you can trust the gospel mm-hmm. and you can let your kids know that God loves them no matter what they do. Mm-hmm. And if you want to boil the gospel down, for me, it's uh, love God and love your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you get off track and, and things are going sideways and you're angry and you want to lash out, uh, just get back to love God. Yeah. Press into him daily. Talk to him all day long, you know, with your spouse if you got one. Mm-hmm. And then love your kids. Love God and love your kids. Love them. And uh, that's all you need to do let God be God and and and, and it sounds so simple but here's the deal yeah. it is that simple and especially now during quarantine during you know when schedules I don't know when we're going back to phase two I don't know you don't know you don't either I don't either well, nobody knows anything and uh it's out of our hands but loving God and loving your kids is not out of your hands no. and you can repent right now and you can just do that major on the majors minor on the minors love your kids love the people around you, even if they're older and out of the house. Just text them right now. Say, I love you. 
love you. I just, I love you. Love never fails. First Corinthians 13, 8, it never fails. Mm -hmm. And so even if there has been failure, um, just continue to trust in the process. That's not your way. It's not your plan. It never is. It never has been, which gives me great hope and confidence moving forward. I don't know what's going on, but I want to be guilty of trusting in the Lord. So appreciate you, man. Yep. Appreciate you too. Yep. I just want to say I love you, okay. Luke. Aaron, I love you. Noel, I love you. And uh, Amen. That's all there is. I love you too, Dad. Yep. yep. Hey, why don't you go ahead and just uh, close this with prayer? We'll do it. Amen. Uh, Father, just uh, you love us mm -hmm. and you uh, teach us to love. And, and uh, we want to uh, experience your love and open our hearts to uh, hear from you and uh, to experience your love so we can pass it on to others, you know. Mm -hmm. So I just thank you uh, for, uh, you know, Luke and all the people here at South Beach Church mm -hmm. and staff and mm -hmm. uh, who are reaching out in love to all of us, you know. And this place has just grown because of uh, mm -hmm. you and your love uh, being poured out to us. And we're opening our hearts to you and mm -hmm. uh, you're filling us, you know. So I just said, I thank you for uh, continuing to do that. And yes, uh, so we just open our hearts to you and say thank you and, and, uh, you know, I, I I just want to say, keep up the good work, God. Yes, Lord. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Happy Father's Day. I love you. Yeah, I love you too, buddy. Appreciate you. Yeah. Good good uh, I'm dropping stuff. It's okay. Fire.
Well, everyone, welcome back to our study portion of today's service. We just got done worshiping the Lord, and I pray in Jesus' name that you are once again able to connect with God and able to sense His presence and remind yourself of what in the world is really going on and what God wants to do in you, listen, in order that God might do a work through you. Because right now, God is equipping the body. He's doing things in you right now, not just in me, not just in South Beach Church, not just in the leaders. It's so easy to get distracted and to look at all these other people and so many political opinions and so many different sides. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm warning you. I'm exhorting you as your pastor. There's just so much going on, so much over your head, so much that's not your, your problem. And I want to challenge you to instead let the Lord search your heart. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, hey, you know what you should do? You should worry about the log in your own eye, the, 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 the obvious things, in, instead of looking at the speck in your brother's eye, whether it's some government official or somebody else. And, and let the Lord work on you in order that then God might be able to do a work through you in your brother's eye. So that's what God wants to do in your life right now. And so, guys, hey, check it, check it out. Take your Bibles now and open up to 2 Chronicles 14. 2 Chronicles 14. So we're in the Old Testament still again today. We'll be in Revelation soon. But right now we're in 2 Chronicles 14. So you're going to go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, Second Chronicles, I guess that would be the 14th book of the Bible. Second Chronicles 14, 14th book, 14th chapter. Check it out, check it out. And I'm going to pray and ask God to bless us now. And this is not really a Father's Day message, but I'm going to kind of spin it that way because we're going to see one dad die and his son come into power. And his son's name is Asa, King Asa. 
And we're going to study the life of Asa today because Asa, King Asa, Solomon had a son named Rehoboam. Rehoboam had a son named Abijah. Abijah had a son named Asa. So this would be Solomon's great-great-grandson. Solomon, Rehoboam, Abijah, Asa. And Asa did what was good and right in the sight of the Lord his God. And Asa raised up a standard in those days for himself and for the nation of Israel, for the nation of Judah. Israel at that time, and this is going to go over some of your guys' head, was divided into two kingdoms. There were the northern ten tribes of Israel and the southern two tribes of Judah. Judah and Benjamin were the, the good tribes, and, and yet they all had problems. And there were, within that reign, before we find Jesus coming from the line of Judah, there were a bunch of kings, 20 or so kings, And yet within those kings, all of them had different turns. There were five specific, listen, revivalists. That is kings that led revivals. There was Asa. He's the first one. We're going to study his story today. And then there was Joash and Jehoshaphat. And there was uh, Josiah and, and some other guys in, in Hezekiah. And these are some of the, the, the five main revivals in the nation of Judah. I say that to say this, just before I pray. This revival, and, and those four consecutive revivals after Asa, they were all started by one individual. And if you're like me, you want to see good things happen. You want to see revivals. Let's, let's just call them that. You want to see a revival. And if you're like me, you're waiting for someone to start it. Who's going to start it? And I would say at this point in my walk with Jesus that looking for somebody else to start anything else is not necessarily the way it's going to impact me directly. As a matter of fact, let me say it this way. If you want anything good to happen in your life outside of the salvation that's already happened to you by Jesus to you, a gift for you, something done apart from you, he saved you. But now you want something good to happen? Bounce pass, balls in your court. If you want a revival, it's not going to, your revival, yours. It's not going to come from Pastor Luke Frechette or Pastor Ryan or P Pastor Bo or pa Pastor Adam or Pastor Marty or Pastor Rory or Pastor Esai. It's not, not going to come from one of us. As a matter of fact, if those guys want a revival, if I want a revival, it's got to be a personal revival. It's got to happen from within. And then if the revival happens in your own life, then and only then can there be a revival in the lives of the people nearest and around you. Let me make sure you understand what I'm even saying. Right now, God is doing a work in you. He wants to do a work in you. And if you can focus on that and let him do a work in you, he wants to show you what he wants for you. What do you require of me, O oh Lord? Search me. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And the Lord will do just that. So I'm going to say a prayer and ask God to open up our hearts and to show us what he wants for us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes right now? Father, in, in Jesus' name, we pray a blessing on this time of studying your word. That God, you would be, uh, uh, that you'd be honored and that Lord, we would be blessed. That it would be anointed both in the teaching now and in the listening and the learning to come. Lord, would you do a work? We need you. We look to your word as a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. 
Like it says in the book of Romans, the things written before were written for our learning, for our patience and for our comfort and for our hope that we might know what in the world is going on as examples, Lord, as types. And so, Lord, bless this time, we pray. Open up our hearts. Lead us. In Jesus' name we ask. And everybody said, amen and amen. Check this out. Check this out. Look at chapter 14 of Second Chronicles, verse 1. It says, so Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. And in his days, the land was quiet for 10 years. Verse 2, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. Stop right there, eyes up here. Guys, first thing I want to point out is Abijah, his dad, dies. It says he rested. And then Asa came up and took over. Now, I want you to in your time this week to read Abijah's story. It's just one chapter, chapter 13, it's his story. And the Bible tells us Abijah's story. Now, Abijah wasn't necessarily a great king. He wasn't a godly king. He wasn't a great, he just, but he did a couple great things. As a matter of fact, he cleared his throat before he died. And he looked at the nation of Israel and he looked at the tribes of Judah and he said, guys, y'all messed up. And he began to rebuke them. And he put a standard before them and he called them to arms and he called them to get back to seeking the Lord. Now, again, he wasn't a great guy his whole life. But at one point before Asa took over, Abijah, the dad, the father, he did what was right himself. And he pointed to the truth. And he said, whether this is politically correct or not, okay, it's the truth. And if you read chapter 13, he declares, Abijah declares the truth about God and about who he is, what he's done, and what he's doing. It was not popular. It wasn't something people wanted to hear. And yet because he declared that, the fruit of that father's stance, unpolitically correct, I believe, was that Asa listened, said, whoa, my dad's hardcore. <laughs> my, dad's, my dad's next level. And Asa took what his dad did okay in, in living a life kind of wonky, he, he did, but he made a declaration at the end of his life and Asa grabbed that and Asa becomes one of the greatest kings to go down in history. And so here's my challenge, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, leaders, men, women, okay? Whether or not it's politically correct is not your biggest problem. You gotta know what's biblically correct. What is true? What does the Bible say? What has God declared? What has God done? And maybe most importantly, what is God gonna do? You let your kids know. You go on record. Oh, but it's not politically correct and people have some problems against some of the things that the Bible has to say. Listen, you better be worried about being biblically correct more than you are worried about being politically correct. People are so afraid of offending everyone, but everyone's not afraid of offending God. And really, if you live in the fear of the Lord, okay, what that means is the respect, the awe, and the reverence. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you don't fear the Lord and what he thinks, what he's doing, you're gonna walk in the opposite of wisdom, okay? You know what that's called? Dumb, dumb when you're doing what everyone else wants and what everyone else thinks, and man, it's easy to blame others, when you're doing what you want and what you think. Huh. Let me just encourage you. Know what the Bible says, okay? Tuck it away. 
teach it to others. Learn it. Remind yourself of it. And remind others to walk in the statutes of God. It says Abijah rested. Verse 1, he was buried. And then Asa took over and he had peace in the land for 10 years. Now, why did he have peace in the land for 10 years? It says in verse 2 that Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, he did the right thing. Unlike every other king that had been before him, unlike the people that would come after him, unlike the folks around him, Asa, he didn't take his cues from culture. He said, I'm going to do what's good. Listen, and right. The two are different. A lot of people do good things. You ever met a good person? They're all over the place. There's good people doing good things all over the place. And you could even ask somebody, are you a good person? And most people would just, without understanding the question properly, say, yeah, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. <laughs> Maybe ask a different question. Are you right? Huh? Right? I don't remember right. You know, no one's right. You know, it's like, <sighs> the Bible says that there is a way that seems right to a man. But, but it's the Lord, okay? It's the Lord who orders his steps. It's the Lord who gets to decide what indeed is right. And I don't want to miss anybody in this point. So you can do a good thing, but it might not be a God thing, and then it's a bad thing. What you need to focus on and ask is, Lord, is this the right thing? Is this the right thing? Because people love to do good stuff. Actually, when you do a good thing, it feels good, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Okay. In our culture, we call that moralistic, therapeutic deism, where I do good, and therefore I feel good, and that's my God. And there are people like Bill Gates and, and Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Phil who are doing good, you know, according to a standard that they've come up with, and they feel good, and they're, they're doing good. And yet, you have to ask the Lord, is it right? Is it right? And this requires a relationship with the Lord where you say, Lord, is this the right thing to do? Verse two, let me read it for you. So that's one thing I'm making this up. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. And this is what I believe gave him 10 years of peace. He had 10 years of peace because his ways pleased the Lord. The Bible says in, in, in Proverbs chapter 16, that when a man's ways please the Lord, that he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Here's a question. Do you have peace right now? Internal peace? Peace against your foes? Is, is there peace ruling in your heart? I'm a good person, Luke. <laughs> cool. When a man's ways please the Lord, the Bible says God's going to go to battle for him. And there's going to be peace. Now, the Bible also says that if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, man, you're going to suffer persecution. So, so don't get it twisted when when the way that you have walked becomes difficult. God is testing you. But in this particular story, we see that there's peace for 10 years. Look at the other reason why I believe there's peace. Look at verse three. It says, for he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places, and he broke down sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. Verse three tells us that when Asa came into power, he looked around, Abijah's done. Rehoboam, bad guy, he's done. Solomon, he got kind of weird in his reign too. He's done. And now it's Asa's turn. He's like, all right, I'm in charge. You know, first thing we're going to do here in Judah, we're going to take all these altars and all these false places of worship, we're going to cut them down. <laughs> well, the first question that comes to my mind is like, where'd those altars come from? Where'd those false images come from? What's going on? And yeah, let's be honest. If you're like me, you're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, lest I should boast. I didn't do anything. I'm saved. And yet within my life, there are things 
that I must do. There are things that while God did that salvatory work for me and hopefully for you, there are things in my life that just kind of creep up. High places and weird things, okay? Raise your hand if since you've become a Christian, you found some weird things lurking within. Okay, I'm gonna raise both my hands because I'll, I'll just raise it for you too. Some weird stuff. And, and we get taken by, uh, we just don't know what's happening sometimes and things just kind of creep up. Other times we accidentally let stuff in that we know we shouldn't. Here's my point. If you're a believer right now and you want a revival, okay, you want to see something new in your life like Asa, you got to tear down, okay? You got to uproot. You got to take these things out of your life. There's just no way to move forward without breaking stuff down, without tearing stuff down, and listen, without removing some stuff. Matter of fact, I was praying earlier this week, <clears throat> and I shouldn't share my prayers with you because they're between me and God, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> and I prayed this prayer. It's a fun prayer, actually. I want you to pray it with me. This is what I prayed. I said, Lord, give me more love for you than I have love for this world. And I just said, Lord, search my heart because I don't want to fall in love with the things of this world because they'll become high places, areas of worship. They'll, they'll become... They'll become distractions. And I said, Lord, make me more. It was cool because I've been studying this, this revival. Lord, search my heart. Is there anything in my heart that I, that I love more than you? And I've been praying for help in that. Lord, give me more love for you than I have love for this world. And the thing about this world is this world has a, a proclivity to just take over. Okay, it knows no bounds. If you've ever been a gardener before, you ever planted some strawberries or tomatoes or some corn or whatever, you plant some stuff, okay, without your help, weeds will appear. And they'll just plant themselves. They'll just start growing. There's things that'll just take over your garden. And it's a principle of life. There are things that just have to be taken down. He says it right here. He says he removed them. He broke them down and he cut them down. This is great. Look at verse four. And he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and, the, and to observe the law and the commandments. I love this guy, Asa. And this guy goes next level. He makes a law though. He says, you know what the law is now? We're all seeking the Lord. Now, this is kind of a no brainer. This is the nation of Israel. This is Judah. These are the people of God. And yet, unfortunately, he needed to remind them that this is what they do. Verse four, he told them all that they are to observe the law and to seek the Lord. He commanded, now, you actually can't command people to do that. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the laws we're seeing right now. You can't command, but you can, you can compel somebody and you can model it for others. You actually can command people to do certain things just by way of your leadership just by way of your example. My parents actually made me read the Bible when I was a kid. And I remember uh, just putting my head on the table and reading through Leviticus and just sleeping. Man, it was, it was not easy. And, but they commanded me to do it and I did it. But, but my dad actually compelled me to read the Bible. You know how? By reading it himself. I remember seeing my dad at, at, when I was a young person, walking in rebellion. I remember seeing him reading his Bible early in the morning. As a matter of fact, there's this one story where I remember I was sneaking in after partying all night. It was so, I was out so late, my dad was actually getting up and he was sitting in his chair reading his Bible while I was sneaking in from partying. I remember I looked at him and I was behind his chair and he might have not known I was there sneaking in. I'll never forget that. 
because it impacted me like, what? What's this guy doing? What's this guy? What a better question. What's this guy doing? What was I doing with my life? Now, here's the crazy thing. I get the same chance to see my kids. I can't, I actually can, command them to read their Bibles. But, but I can compel them. I can compel people to seek the Lord. Your leadership, your decisions, it matters. Fathers, it's Father's Day today and whatever. Mothers too. Whatever you do, your kids will see it. This morning it was so fun. It's, it's Thursday today and I got up before Noah did and I made my coffee and then he came, he's 12, he came downstairs and he made his coffee, don't tell anybody, but he made his coffee and he grabbed his Bible and his highlighter and his journal and he just walked outside. He said, see you later, Dad. And he walked outside and he sat in my chair out there in the sun. I just thought, man, that's good stuff right there. I'm compelling people. Well, he, he, verse four, I gotta keep going. Verse four, he, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. Look at verse five. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah and the kingdom was quiet under him. He not only took down these high places and these images, he went all over and began to clean things up. Let me just say something. We're gonna see a revival here. We're gonna see things happen to him and, 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 and God's gonna bless him. But it's not without change. It's not without a difference. And this is quarantine week 15. I'm, I'm actually, I can't believe this is actually happening right now. This is, it's, it's pretty intense. Just this is happening globally. You know, everything that's happening with the economy, with the virus, with the, the, the racial tensions and, and, and rioting and, and looting and, and protesting and, and reforms that are coming and, and all this, it's just, there's a lot of shakeup going on. And it would be an amazing time for you to say, Lord, do you wanna change anything? Do you wanna change anything in me? As a matter of fact, if you haven't asked the Lord if he wants to change anything in you, I think that's the next question you have to ask. I don't know many people who are completely 100% fully developed in their faith, in their fitness, in their finances, in their relationships, in their academics. I don't know anybody who's plateaued in those areas. But in order to grow in your academics or your faith or your fitness or your finances or your relationships, I'm telling you right now, in order to grow in any one of those to change, some things have to go and some things have to come. And you gotta ask the Lord, what are the high places? What are the areas, what are the, the altars that need to be addressed? What are the things that need to be added? Don't waste your life. Don't waste this opportunity. When I, when I say it's comical, what's happening, or not, comical is not the right word, it's, it's um, fascinating that the whole world is being given an opportunity by God to have a meeting with him one-on-one. -on -one. Lord, search my heart. This is what's happening. We see this with Asa and he's willing to lead and help others to know what they need to do in order to find peace. As a matter of fact, look at verse five. At the very end there, it says, and the kingdom was quiet under him. Really, this is what we're all looking for. We're all looking for that inner peace, that, that inner joy, that inner arrival. And it comes with, based on your relationship with God. Most important thing about you is your relationship with God at any given time. It goes on in verse six. And he built fortified cities in Judah for the land had rest. He had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore, he said to Judah, let us build these cities and make walls around them and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us. 
because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Stop right there. Eyes up here. God's given them rest. They're tore down. They've removed. They've cut back the things that are getting in the way. And you know what he says? Now that we have peace, now that we got rid of this stuff, let's build cities. Let's build walls. Let's build bars and let's build fortresses. Why, why would we do that? Because we have peace. Now, these are different times. Thousands of years ago, there was active wars and active takeovers and divisions within the kingdom. And this was normal. But the Bible says the Old Testament is written for our learning and the types here help us understand what God wants to show us with principles. And so while we don't have enemies that come in in this way, spiritually speaking though, there are things that need to be removed, things that need to be added. And the point is, is that God wants us to build up those strong towers, those fortifications, these principles. Listen, he did it when he had rest. The temptation for you and I when things are easy is to kind of like kick back and do nothing. And yet Asa said, you know what? We need to prepare for the battle. We need to prepare. We need to make storehouses. We need to make ready. Why? Because he understood the battle. And let me just time out real quick. Do you realize that we're in a spiritual battle right now? Like there's things going on in governments and medicine and in, in, in relationships horizontally, but there is a vertical war going on between principalities and powers and things that rule in high places right now. And if you don't believe that, or let me say it differently, if you don't understand that, you know what you're not gonna be doing? Pressing in. You're not gonna be building fortresses and relationships. You're not gonna be reading your Bible every morning. You're not gonna be praying. You're not going to be memorizing scriptures. You're not going to be growing in relationships and life groups with people. But if you do understand the nature of the battle, you will be growing in your relationships, your life groups, your discipleship, your prayer, your memorizing of scripture. And so can I, as your pastor, just remind you, there is an enemy who right now, listen, is planning your demise. He's got a target on your back. Christian, mom, dad, young person, a young person, Christian, getting ready to go off to college, bullseye on your back. You better be right now in this age of peace, whatever the deal is that you're going through, be building a system to navigate through the war that is happening right now. Because the enemy's gonna try and take you out. And he usually doesn't take people out through one event, one fail swoop, but instead, the enemy takes us out, what we call a death by a thousand cuts, by things that come against you and come against me, attack after attack after attack. Now, I don't want you to live in fear, and I'm not trying to live in the shadows myself, but the reality is there's a battle. You have a foe, you have an enemy, and we see here that Asa says, there's peace. I realize, guys, I know, I know, I know. Let's build, let's plan, let's get ready. It says that he had peace and he did this. And so they built and prospered. Look at verse eight. And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears and from Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. And all these were mighty men of valor. He had this huge army. Which, By the way, I'm just going to be honest. People will follow you as you follow the Lord. Don't worry about followers. That's not your problem. I'm going to say it again. People will follow you as you follow the Lord. Let the biggest concern of your life be, am I following the Lord? Am I doing what's right and good in His eyes? 
and God will bring to you men and women who will be friends to you and be followers if you want to be a leader and, and, and you are a leader by the way and yet the thing that's going to make you the best leader possible is as you follow the Lord. Well, we see here that he has this great army amassed to help him and to be his buddies, if you would. Look at verse 9. Then Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against him with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and he came to Merishah. So Asa went out against him, and they set the troops in the valley array in the valley of Zephana or something like that. And at Merishah, and Asa cried out to the Lord his God. Stop right there, eyes up here. <laughs> now all of a sudden we got Zira. Man, this guy's riding with He-Man and She-Ra and Zira. They're all there. They're all compadres. And this guy shows up with the million-man army. Ethiopians coming. The odds are two to one. The battle is bigger than Asa, which, by the way, the battle's always bigger than you. It's always gonna be bigger than you. You almost just need to get used to it. You need to settle into it. And yet look at what Asa does. We're learning from Asa because he's a man who led by example. He compelled people. He commanded people. He took down the things that were not bearing fruit, the things that were endangering the people that he was leading. And God rewarded him and he gave him peace for 10 years. And after 10 years, man, what's happening now? Battle. The enemy shows up. And as we've learned from Isaiah, I think it's chapter 49, that says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up for himself a standard. Look at verse 10. So Asa went out against him, and he set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephath and in Merasha. And Asa, verse 11, cried out to the Lord his God, and he said, Lord, <laughs> it's nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord. Our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go out against this multitude. O oh Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Dude, you guys gotta memorize that prayer. Verse 11. Within that prayer, Asa qualifies who he is by pointing out and identifying who the Lord is. He says, it's not about us. It's never about us. Lord, this is your battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. For the battle does not belong to us, but the battle is the Lord's. And Asa understands this. And so while he has work to do, he reminds the Lord and he reminds himself and he reminds his men that it's not about him, but it's about the God that he lives for, the God he fights for. And when you realize that, dads, moms, teachers, advocates, protesters, whoever you are, that your life's really not about you, it'll change the way you live. It'll change what you do because it's not for your glory, but for God's glory. And the Bible says that God will share his glory with no one. And the Bible says that, listen, God will have his glory. And when you realize that, man, you got nothing to worry about. If it's God's will, he's gonna pay the bill. And when you realize that it's all about the Lord and declare it, then it doesn't matter how God does it. Asa points this out. He says, Lord, whether with many or with few, it's not a big deal as long as it's up to you. And the way that that will help you moving forward, wouldn't that be awesome in your financial situation right now? How's your finances? You got, you got issues going on? 
By, by the way, if you go to South Beach Church and, you, and you're, you're living local here and, and you have a financial situation, you've never been in financial trouble before, but man, you haven't had a paycheck in three months or whatever, could you just email us for real? We'd like, we'd like to help. Like, we'd, like, we'd like to help. And, and, and if, you're, if you've never asked for help before, you probably don't know how to. So just email us. We'd love to help you. How's God going to help you? How's God going to help us? He says, you know what? It doesn't matter. The Lord can take care of it. As a matter of fact, check this out. This is so good. Look at verse 12. It says, so the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown and they could not recover for they were broken before the Lord and his army and they carried away much spoil. Stop right there, Isaac here. I love verse 12. Because it says, though the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah and the Ethiopians fled. Now it doesn't say how the Lord struck them. Because you know what? We always want to know. How's the Lord going to do it? Where are the details? How's God going to save my marriage? How's God going to get me this job? How's God going to heal me? How's God going to rescue my son? How's God going to do these things in my life? And you know what? Oftentimes the Lord says, I'm not going to tell you. But if you honor me in your battle, if you invite me into your situation, I'll just do it. Christian, I'm going to say that again. Because some of you right now are so stuck in unforgiveness. You're stuck in bitterness. You're stuck in fear. You're stuck in anger or rage or hostility. You're just stuck. And you know why? Because you're trying to figure it out and you can't. There's just no way. There's no way I can figure this out. My marriage is too far gone and this relationship's too far gone and our government's too far gone. I can't can't figure it out. Because it's not about you. We're addicted to the details. We're addicted to the plan. We're addicted to control. And in this story where God is in control, he's like, I'm not going to tell you the details. Matter of fact, I'm going to do thing. Can you imagine if Peter asked the Lord like he did, hey, Lord, if it's you, then prove it by letting me walk out on the water with you. And so the Lord said, come on out, Pete, let's do this. And what if Peter said, well, how are you going to do that? I need some details. You got to, you know, what do you, I got super floaty shoes on and what's going on here? What are we doing? What are we doing? Peter didn't ask for details. He didn't ask for an explanation. And so he trusted the Lord and he walked on water. David didn't ask for an explanation when he threw the rock at the giant. Daniel didn't ask for an explanation when he got into the lion's den. The three amigos didn't ask for an explanation when they got into the fiery furnace. Noah didn't ask for an explanation when God told him to build the ark in the days of peace. They did what God asked them to do. They cried out. Guys, we're so full of ourselves we're so full of prove it and show me and, 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 and convince me. And the Lord says, trust me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right now, start lifting up prayers for that issue in your life that's just, it's too complicated. It's too far gone. There's no way that we could find a solution. Exactly. Invite the Lord into that situation. Plead. Beg. Guys, I'm just going to read it one more time. Just because I want you to see, I want you to geek out. This is Asa's prayer in verse 11. Asa cried out to the Lord, God, it's nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on you. And in your name, we go out against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. The whole entire prayer wasn't about Asa, but it was a recognition, a declaration 
that it was all about God. This makes me smile. Because if it's about me, if it's about Luke Frechette and my abilities, my plan, my ingenuities and my wisdom, oof, dude, we're all in trouble, okay? If it's about me and my strength and my reputation and my five-year plan and my, <laughs> I don't even have a five-minute plan. I don't know what I'm going to say next, you know? I'm not kidding. It's all about the Lord. And if you want God to do miracles, man, you got to let him drive. you got to let him drive. Well, Asa declares that the Lord has to do it. Look at verse 13. It says, And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar. We read that. The Ethiopians were overthrown. They could not recover. And they were broken before the Lord and his army. And they carried away much, very much spoil. Verse 14. Then they defeated all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them. And they plundered all the cities, for there was exceedingly much spoil in them. Listen. They also attacked the livestock enclosures and carried off sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Just trip. Trip with me for a minute. How many guys want to go against a million-man army? Raise your hand. Anybody, like, signing up for that? Like, a couple zealots out there raising their hand. I don't want to. I want peace. I'm just chilling. And yet the army came. Okay? And it's, it's unfortunate. It was a battle. And yet Asa had the proper perspective. He framed it right. He's like, all right, we're going to let the Lord do it. That's right. That's, that's, that's it. Yep, we're going to let the Lord do it. And the Lord said, really? You're going to let me do it? Appreciate that. And so the Lord took care of not only the, the army, took care of it, but the Lord said, you know what? It was a million men. They're all going to flee. And you know what you're going to get? All their stuff. And not just all their stuff, but all the other bad guys around, you're going to get all that stuff. Let me just make sure you see and connect the dots here. Without the million man army coming against them, and without this battle, they wouldn't have had this type of advancement, this type of enrichment, this type of fulfillment. They wouldn't have grown. But instead, these guys who walked out to battle, Lord, they walked home as if they just got done looting Target. You know what I'm saying? They came home with everything. Like these guys left all their stuff and they came home with all this free stuff. That's what it says. Read it. Take it up with the Lord. And here's my point. The Bible says that in Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors. What's it mean to be more than a conqueror? Like to be a conqueror is pretty cool. Like did you win or did you lose? Well, I won. Cool. But I'm actually more than that. What? What do you mean you're more than a conqueror? You see, when you win with Jesus, when your sins are defeated at the cross of Calvary, it's not about you. It's not about, this, this story's not about Asa. It's about the goodness of God. And your story's not really about you. You're living it, but you're just an extra, even in your own life. You're not the star, you're an extra. And God wants to show and display in your life that not only did he defeat your sin through his death, but he then shares with you the inheritance of heaven. We're co-heirs with Christ. That not only did we win, which is great and awesome and amazing, and how'd that even happen? But then God gives us the loot. God gives us the blessings and the gifts of heaven. This is what your life's all about. God wants to display his riches, his kindness, his glory, his salvation in you. Somebody out here right now, maybe it's me, somebody in here is stressing about how you're gonna pull it off and how you're gonna figure it out and how you're gonna make sure that it all works out. That's not, that's not the gospel, by the way. That's man's thinking. The gospel is where Jesus Christ comes against your army, against your enemy. And he says, keep your eyes on me. 
I will not only beat your foe, I will die in your place and I will rise victoriously and then I will lavishly bestow my gifts upon you, both now and forever. This is a story, this is a picture of of trust in the Lord for your salvation, but also trust in the Lord for all of the gifts, all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors. Let me ask this question, especially if you're a Christian. Are you living that way right now? Are you living like a more than a conqueror? If you're not, it's because your eyes aren't on God, but they're on your own resources. They're not on God and Jesus' finished work on the cross, but it's because your eyes are on your incomplete work on planet Earth. You're drifting into the moralistic, therapeutic, deistic state where you feel good when you do good, but when you do bad, you feel bad and you've forgotten the gospel. See, the gospel is good news and it's a declaration of what has been done. It's not a list of to-dos, but it's a pointing to the to-done, which is Jesus Christ. And this shows us that God wants to bless Asa. Now check this out, check this out. The story continues. This is the first 10 years of Asa's life. He has a few years of rest under his belt and then he gets another message. I don't have time to go through his entire story, but maybe we do, maybe we do. Check this out. Look at the next verse in verse one of chapter 15. Now the spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. (laughs) And he went out to meet Asa and he said to him, hear me. Asa and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a a long time Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and they sought him and he was found by them. Stop right there, eyes up here. This guy, Azariah, shows up. He's just a prophet. And the Holy Spirit comes upon Azariah. Just think that through. And the Holy Spirit told Azariah, go tell Asa a message. He needs a pep talk. He needs a reminder. He's had some good days, but I can see his heart. I can see his heart. He needs a reminder. Go tell him that as long as he seeks me, he'll find me. But if he forsakes me, I'll forsake him. This is, it, it's a two-way road. Go tell him. Go warn him. This is why I love church so much. This is why I love gathering. And, and I watch these sermons, by the way. I preach them. I study. I preach. And then on Sunday, I watch them again. I'm like, whoa, that was so good. I take notes. You know why? Because I forget. You ever forget the most important things? Do you ever forget? Do you ever forget something that you promised you would never forget? This is why we need Bible study in the morning. This is why we need prayer. This is why we need life groups. To re- this is why you need to be a good friend. Text people. Tell them to get after it. Tell them to keep going. T- tell them to to keep pressing in. This guy, Azariah, shows up and he's like, all right, so let me just give you a little pep talk. And he warns them. And he says there for years in the, in the tribes of Israel up north, in the, the tribes down below of Judah, there hasn't been a lot of good. There's been a lot of bad. But in the days you seek the Lord, you're gonna find him. In the days you, you, you get away from the Lord, you need to be reminded to stay humble and to stay focused and to not lose out because here's the deal let me just say this before i move on just because you've had one successful battle doesn't mean you can't lose the war life's long have you figured that out yet (laughs) now i've had some sweet victories 
I'm talking like miracles, missions, revivals, amazing opportunities. I've had it all. But I've also found myself drifting. I've also found myself disengaging. I've also found myself not pressing in like I used to. And so Azariah shows up and he says, guys, you got to stay focused. Verse five. And in those times, he gives him a little history. There was no peace, man, to the one who went out nor to the one who came in. But great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the land. So nation was destroyed by nation, city by city, for God troubled them with every adversity. He reminds him, you guys remember what it was like when you weren't seeking the Lord? You remember that? Man, it was next level nar-nar. And it doesn't take me long to get out of my stinking thinking or out of my funk when I just think about what it was like before I sought the Lord. He goes on. So nation was destroyed by, verse seven, but you be strong and do not let your hands be weak for your work shall be rewarded. Man, that should be a cool verse for you to memorize. And when Asa heard these words from the prophecy of Oded, the prophet, he took courage and he removed all the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had taken in the mountains of Ephraim and he restored the altar of the Lord and was before the vestibule of the Lord. Stop right there. It seems like he's already done this before, doesn't it? <laughs> he's already cleaned out. It's like, this is the third time. What is happening? It's a reminder, guys. Just like your physical body needs to be constantly maintained. When I brushed my teeth one time in 1982, I gotta do it again, I gotta do it again. Yeah, you gotta do it again. Brush your teeth, man. You gotta comb your hair and brush your tooth if you got a tooth. You know, you gotta do that stuff. You gotta get after it. And he tells them that when you do it, you'll be blessed. When you ignore the things of God, there's just a curse that comes along with it. It's just a principle. Verse 9, then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin, Asa did, and those who dwell with the, those in Ephraim and Manasseh and Simeon, for, some, for, they, for they came over to him in great numbers from Israel. These are tribes that weren't co, um, cohabitating at the time. They were kind of in battle with each other. But when they saw that the Lord his God was with them, they joined in verse 10. So they gathered together at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of the, of the reign of Asa. And they offered to the Lord at that time 700 bulls, 7,000 sheep from the spoil that they had brought. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. And that whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel was put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they took an oath before the Lord with a loud voice, with shouting and trumpets and ram's horns. Stop right there, house up here. Are you for real? I read this the other day. I started laughing out loud. I even gave a hoot. I was like, what? They made a command like, all right, all right, all right. We're getting fired up for the Lord. Everyone for God's sake, God, God. Everyone for God's sake, God, God. You know, getting fired up. And anybody who doesn't want to worship God, we're going to kill you. <laughs> this is the Old Testament. I get it. They're fired up. But the reality is, if you don't seek the Lord, you will live a life of death. Period. I don't have to kill you. God doesn't have to kill you. A life outside of seeking the Lord with all your heart and soul is a life of death. It's just the way it is. Right now, in your Christian liberties or your American freedoms, I wonder if you've allowed some things into your life that you just, I can do what I want. I can do what I want. It's not illegal. I can do, it is my rights. I can do it. And yet, and yet, listen, because of the pride and because of the sin or because of whatever, is there death is there, or is there life? 
Death and life are pretty stark contrast. I don't even need to convince a person they're living in death. It's, it's obvious. It's, it's seen. It's evidenced. So too life. This life that Asa had was so glorious and so grand that even his enemies were coming over from Israel, coming to Judah. They were like, dude, this guy's on fire. This guy's, on, this guy's full of life. A few more verses and, and, and we're done. And all Judah, verse 15, rejoiced at the oath for they had sworn with their heart to, and sought him with all their soul and he was found by them and the Lord gave them rest all around. This is what we're looking for, peace. Look at verse 16, though, it's savage. Also, he removed Makkah, the mother of Asa, his grandma, Grandma Mac, I call her Grandma Mac. And he removed Asa from being queen mother because she made an obscene image of an Asherah. Asa cut down her obscene image, this poor grandma, and he crushed and burned it in the brook Kidron. But the high places were never removed from Israel. Israel is further up north where he wasn't in charge. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was loyal all his days, and he brought into his house, the, or into the house of God, the things that his father had dedicated, that he himself had dedicated, silver and gold utensils. And there was no war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. Stop right there, eyes up here. And maybe my, my final thoughts in, in this manner. I don't even know this Grandma Mac lady. I hope she made it to heaven, man. She sounded like she had a bad, bad streak for a second. Asa shows up and said, Grandma, what's up? Why you got these crazy poles, man? Why you got these dirty things going on in the yard? I'm going to take them out. And by the way, you're not the queen mother anymore. I'm kicking you out of the palace. <laughs> now, this is him. This is family dynamics. Like, I wasn't there. Don't, you know, figure it out. Let me say something, though. Moms, dads. When you make a decision to follow the Lord... Okay, it, it may disrupt the family unit a little bit. It may disrupt the relationships. You don't need to be a brute. You don't need to be you know, rude. But when you decide to just, I'm not going to seek the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to do it. You better do it. And if you say, well, I can't do it. It's going to offend, you know, it's going to make, it's going to, no. Don't, don't, don't not do the right thing in order to be politically correct or even in, in order to protect a, someone's feelings. Do it with grace and mercy, okay? Benevolence, empathy, kindness, graciousness. But you gotta seek the Lord. Azariah showed up and he gave him a warning. In the days that you seek the Lord, it's gonna be great. In the days you forsake him, it's gonna be, it's gonna be bad. Don't do it. Asaph was fired up and he did the right thing. My prayer for myself, my prayer for this church, my prayer for you right now is that God would give us a greater love for the things of heaven for the things of God. And he would take away our illicit love for the things of this world. Guys, it's 2020. Have, have things swept you away? Has there been compromise? Are, are you diluted? Are you distracted? Are, are, you, are you living for God and God's glory alone? I, on any given day, I can't necessarily say that I am. And I need the Lord to search my heart. I need an Azariah or the Holy Spirit to, to come in and to spruce up my relationship with him. This is what our sermons are designed to do. Life groups are designed to do to get our attention back on Jesus Christ, back on the things that matter most. Right now, God is shaking up in order that he might wake us up because he's doing a work in you. I'm going to say a prayer right now. And uh, by the way, we, we do our life group questions on video format. As soon as this is done, I'm going to produce some life group questions you can go deeper with your, your family or your life group or your friends and, and, and talk these things through. What is the Lord showing you? What is the Lord doing deeper with you? But right now, let's just pray. 
give our lives over to Jesus in a new way. Father, we thank you that you are so patient, that Lord, we learn from King Asa what it looks like to have a revival, that in order to have a revival spiritually, some things gotta be tore down. Some things gotta be cut down. Some things have to be removed. In order for there to be a revival, there has to be this next level investment in energy seeking the things of God to compel others, to command ourselves, seek the Lord. For in the day you seek the Lord, there will be peace in your hearts. Lord, we agree. We believe it. And if you're here, if you're watching right now, and there are things in your life that you know aren't producing fruit, they're just distractions, they're high places, they're weird things, and they need to be tore down. And there's areas in your life you're not seeking the Lord. Would you just right now raise up your hand and say, Lord, I need your help in doing that, Lord, I need you to search my heart and do a deeper work in me. I need you, God, to get in my heart in order that I, Lord, might see you high and lifted up and know what it is you want, Lord, for me. You can put your hands down. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you have done so much already, that, Lord, your kindness, your faithfulness, your goodness for us, that, Lord, we can trust you, that even when we don't have enough resources, that that's not really what it's all about. So, God, would you have your way in our church? Would you help us during this time? Lord, I completely trust you. If I start thinking about these things, Lord, I get overwhelmed. But instead, I go to the house of the Lord and I'm reminded of what you're doing and the end of the story. So Lord, would you be our God, be our leader and use us. Use us, Lord. Use us as displays, as testimonies, as an occasion, Lord, for witnessing of the reality of the glory of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for all you've done and all you're gonna do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen and amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Make sure and send us your emails. Let us know how we can pray for you. This is week 15. I don't know when we're going to be back. Phase two will be when we be back in the building, when we can have our services again. We'll continue to do our online services. But until then, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Gmail, our our website, all these things. A new app is going to roll out soon so you can connect with us even more on that. Other than that, the main connection you need is between you and the Lord. He's doing a deeper work. So guys, press in while time remains. God bless you. We'll see you very soon.